0: Spiritual alignments, part one. Can they block your destiny? First of all, I'm going to look at Amos and the people who were around in his time, the way they behaved, the way they lived, what Amos said to them about that, what God thought about that, and then actually compare it to our world today and then tie in at the end about alignments, who we align with because it's very, very important who we come into agreement with. God tells us that. So if we go to Amos 3 verses 1 to 11. Amos was basically living in a time where the Israelites were freed from this sense of responsibility to a righteous God they didn't care, they oppressed the poor, they turned to all sorts of idolatry, um, there was all sorts of immorality going on, and they just basically lost all sense of social consciousness. And it was a time in Israel's history, a bit like today, when it was said that every man just did that which was right in his own eyes. So the message of Amos is most certainly relevant to our current day and obviously, we don't disregard the Old Testament because we are now in the New Testament, the new covenant in Christ, because God has eternal principles. And his word says in 2 Timothy 3.16, using the Amplified, that all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving, behaving honourably with personal integrity and moral courage. Wow. Well, only the Holy Spirit can help us to do that. And if we're in Christ, we've got the mind of Christ. So we certainly can do that. And God's word helps us to do that. Okay, so when we read in Amos 3, the Israelite to whom Amos preached did not say that God was dead, like many folk do today. No, he simply felt no sense of responsibility for keeping the laws of God. So the result, though, was not a superior society which the the god is dead brigade envision a society that's sort of come of age because of all these freedoms no the result was a people who were so decadent so unconcerned about the poor all around them the oppressed including the lives of unborn children that's not a new thing that the only message from God through Amos was a message of doom, of warning. And often true prophets of God are used like that today by God to wake people up, to call out the wicked deceptions that are going on unnoticed. When man is in his mind, liberated from God, it does not create a morally superior society, some sort of golden age, you know, like we're being told. But rather, he just destroys himself. And quite honestly, it would have been far easier for Amos to just go away um, and live a peaceful life of a shepherd uncomplicated and most true prophets would agree with that but God spoke and Moses felt compelled to deliver the message and as a wee quick side note that anointed governmental spiritual authority and expected a hundred percent obedience to God is one of the key differences between the office and the prophetic giftings, the prophecy that the Apostle Paul encouraged everyone to have and speak and give prophecies. But today, what's happened is it's actually been turned upside down. And that's because there's been a dearth of accurate teaching on the subject, I believe. So... Amos spoke even at Bethel, the king's sanctuary, it tells us in chapter 7 verse 13. He denounced the sins of Israel publicly and that's still often the case with prophets. Yep, even today. Yet in spite of ridicule and the, the seeming like futility of the whole mission, Amos was obedient to God and the modern believer must be on their guard to be sure that they don't just work out some sort of comfortable kind of religion that never really seriously inconveniences them or even, dare I say it, endangers their personal safety. Moving on, Amos's word is relevant today. In that he demonstrates the fact that one who denounces the sins of his time often finds himself standing alone. And though his message carried the note of authority of the thus says the Lord about it, there is absolutely no evidence that Amos had a popular reception. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Tells us he was insulted, accused of being a professional prophet, a few of them about today, and told to preach somewhere else. You know, beat it, get out of here, don't want to listen to you. Um, and that is chapter 7, verse 12. So, the one who protests against the wrongs of his society often finds himself standing alone alone and his message totally rejected how many pulpits today are remaining silent about the current tyrannical decrees being issued rather than defend what might be a very unpopular position i'll leave that thought with you so Amos also contains a warning for any nation that feels secure because of its material prosperity. Prosperity is great. I love prosperity. It includes health, wealth, all sorts of things. But many Israelites dwelt in houses of ivory. That's in chapter 3, verse 15. Drank wine from bowls. That's in 6, verse 6. And were at ease in Zion. Chapter 6, verse 1. So they felt that surely such prosperity was positive evidence of God's blessing upon them. Now that's a key thing today. Many people think that because there hasn't really been any sort of judgment from God appear, that God's blessing, that particular person, place, thing. But Amos pronounced God's approaching judgment. God gives a time of grace and then he judges. And God actually, um, through Amos, it says, I will arise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. That's in chapter 7, verse 9. So luxuries obtained at the expense of others had become necessities, or what we'd call today materialism. And those things were idolised. And the pages of history are just littered with the rubbish, the debris of nations whose material prosperity far exceeded their spiritual resources. So we've got today Luxuries gained at the expense of another, including, I have to say, another's unborn life. And it must be paid for eventually. God will see to that. If it's not repented of and turned from wholeheartedly because we're true repentances, there's a change of heart. And and are turning away from that thing. That's godly sorrow. But those societies and nations that rise up based upon a wrong foundation where they're blessed because they're prosperous but they're not living the way God says. They're idolising all sorts and being evil and cruel and all sorts of other things that God hates. They often fall from a great height and suddenly... And it says that Babylon will fall in an hour. Wow. So Amos, like all of the Old Testament prophets, is associated with God's justice. And in no uncertain terms, he just lashed out at the callousness of the rich towards the poor. I mean, they sold the poor for profit and they crushed the needy, trampled upon them, their greed for gain and sadly it's man's nature to shrug off his responsibility even when he's been directly responsible for the other person's suffering so although cloaked in like modern dress many of the fundamental demands of god expressed By Amos are still violated today. There are countless millions who have never experienced the dignity of life itself, having had that right given by God himself denied to them. And the lukewarm church, I have to say, has become shockingly indifferent to this. Although it continues to pay lip service to it as being evil, yet it's now okay to support it for the shall we say, you know what I mean, purposes. Apparently certain leaders have not yet learned that every life is sacred to God because he created it. That person with a future, a plan. And a destiny. Moving on again. Amos preached to a prosperous, licentious, self sufficient society, does that sound like, that ignored its responsibility towards the less fortunate, but which nevertheless considered itself to be religious. The people brought abundant sacrifices to the cultic places of worship. But the religion was only formal, just rituals, because they had no personal relationship with God. God knew that. So God's response to their religious practices was... Listen, no worries, guys. These offerings look great. Well done. Give yourselves a group hug. I'll just, I'll turn a blind eye to this. I know. There, there, you're scared you get ill. Scared you stick out like a sore thumb. Aye, scared to be persecuted. Oh, look, it's, it's all okay. Don't get all upset now. Love is love, right? Uh, no, of course not. God did not say anything remotely like that. Absolutely not. He is not a permissive father who allows his child to just violate with impunity his wise counsel. No, what God actually said to them was, I hate, I despise your feasts. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings, I will not accept them. Amos 5, 21 and 22. Yes, God said those words. Uh, I don't want your gifts. Go away. God was not happy. He was angry. Very, very angry. Many today would say that's not very kind. That's not very loving. That's a bit harsh. I mean, that's a bit ungrateful, hateful even. The message of Amos could very easily be applied today in January 2022 to Western society, especially pre-March 2020, when many within the evangelical Church testified that religion never had it better. Freedom from persecution, membership at an all time high, social acceptance, mission programmes in operation all around the world, very comfortable church buildings in every section of the city. No, it wasn't a problem at all being a follower of Jesus pre March 2020 in this no offence allowed PC world. Hooray! 100% wrong. Yes, shoe boxes reaching the thousands for the kids in Africa just didn't cut it, I'm afraid, with God. Just like in Amos's day. And I can still hear that number one hit song ringing in my ears. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Whenever I see the boxes piled 10 feet high along the walls, where it seems to become some sort of interchurch competition to see who could donate the highest tower of wrapped santa papered shoe boxes not much said though by the same folk when christmas day was all but cancelled with basically no notice a year ago hear me though please i am not knocking helping the poor god loves a joyful giver even giving a cup of cold water to someone in his name, he will surely bless and bless that person. But when it's almost used as an excuse to score some sort of spiritual points with God, but then ignores many of the things that truly grieve the heart of God, sort of cancelling them out with a nice shiny social gospel, well, that's another thing entirely. Perhaps people think, should God not be elated, or at least very satisfied at this huge donation? I mean, what more could God want? Well, personally, I suggest for starters, he would want not to be mocked. The people thought they were doing great Namos's day. Forming alignments with others who seem to be prospering, even spiritually. So that must be pleasing to God. I mean, it's not as if they were worshipping Satan or something. I mean, no matter what else they were or they were not doing. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) anagram of Satan is Santa. Moving on very quickly. Amos 3 verse 3 says... Can two walk together unless they be agreed? There's a difference between a loose association with an individual or a brief meeting with an acquaintance and then starting to regularly spend much more quality time with someone. That's becoming a personal relationship. That's what's developing there. And if they're in leadership, that often includes being taught by them, sitting under them, at least coming under their authority by being in their presence regularly, by choice. But because there is a serious responsibility before God for leaders to practice what they preach, especially with abortion. Yes, I've used that word. It must be publicly repented of for any involvement whatsoever with it, even for research purposes. Whether to save themselves or whether encouraging others to do the same. And we get called the selfish ones oh dear it brings them under god's judgment and crucially this is key those who align with them why because it works both ways in christ we have incredible privileges given us to but given to us by god we have the mind of christ we have the holy spirit himself which the people in amos's time didn't have. Anybody who thinks a current alignment with churches that collude with godless government guidelines for a medical procedure to be done that uses certain cell lines and based upon what I'm about to very briefly touch on is only fooling themselves and certainly not fooling the king of all kings, the creator God if someone comes under any spiritual authority that is being deceived by the enemy in this area where that leader is not discerning the spirit of god so thereby they're missing what the spirit of god is saying to the churches even as the modern day prophets continue to shout warnings from the rooftops that sin is sin past sin is also sin not just history No, that is not an okay justification to allow genetic material from a life snuffed out to be put into any body, whether it's due to fear or or whatever. Why? Because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear but of power. That's for one thing. And any leader either directly advocating for this or by personally taking it into their own body, thereby setting an example to their flock as their leader, is in serious trouble spiritually and with the Lord God. No matter what other good things they do, no matter how many boxes are up the wall at Christmas, it's not about the Roman church's false doctrine of paying penance by whipping themselves to the point of drawing blood. It's about repenting before God with godly sorrow for blatant sin that's been justified away for the best part of two years by a majority in the church, including leadership, who sadly sometimes appear proud of it as it's loving their neighbours they tell us no it is not it's the polar opposite so why am I hammering this point because so many in the true remnant those called out from among the lukewarm church the seeker friendly churches The churches where, yes, Jesus has removed their lampstand are not seeing this as important. Seeing what? As important. Who as well as what we align with spiritually. That's what they're not getting. Let's just quickly look at the word consent. Consent. Now, we know for we're going for a medical procedure, we need to consent to it, or we don't get it, right? Well, it's the opposite with this V word. Anyway, we're going to use it in this context regarding spirituality and coming under the authority of certain leaders. So, what is the definition in that context? Well, there is implied consent. This is dictionary definition. And that's consent inferred from a person's actions and the facts and circumstances of a particular situation or, in some cases, by a person's silence or inaction. And an express consent is one that is clearly and unmistakably stated rather than implied. So, consent can be either expressed or implied but still consent and consent is basically giving or using our god-given free will to make a definite choice or to decide about a course of action that we will do personally or we will agree with that others are doing and god sees it that way too this might sound tough but Giving your consent to ending a physical life through murder in most cases is abhorred by most people. And when it's an adult who's done it, another adult or whatever, when the guilty perpetrator is eventually tried in court and sentenced, it can end up with a long prison term for the guilty, especially where they remain unrepentant like in the case of a psychopath. Now, I am not being unkind here, but the way God looks at abortion of a human life in the womb is much the same. When not repented of, we know in our world today, many people are divided over this subject. Yet truly we know here, the woman becomes both the victim and the perpetrator. The abortion does not merely make a person no longer pregnant with new life but it also moulds both the women and those who support and perform abortion into murderers before a holy God it does. In addition, it opens the door for a spirit of death to come into that person's life and destroy other areas of their lives, creating cycles of death that allow the enemy access to their life, to steal, kill and destroy. That's all he does. And not only the quality of their lives, but also business ventures, their relationships and also ministries. This is all if it's not repented of. God's merciful. But if it's just ignored or if it's actually encouraged because it's in the V- you know what, and it's been history, so it's not today. Well, that's not true either, but if it's not repented of before the Lord by acknowledging it to him and determining to never repeat it, even though our Saviour paid the price to cover all sin, including this sin, that is not good enough with God. You need to repent with godly sorrow. That's the position with this situation. And if you have come under authority of leaders who do believe that there's nothing wrong with that and you've had your eyes open to see the truth and you think, oh, Lord, what have I done uh, taking this thing or, or even thinking about taking it, You know, you can ask the Lord to break those attachments from your life. He can break them off. If you repent, if you go before the Lord, nothing's impossible for him. He sees your heart. If you really mean it, he can break it off your life. If you didn't realize the ramifications of it, which many people don't. And also this includes men too. Because, sorry, but it takes two to tango. You know what I mean. And by the way, just in case I missed that, it, it is not okay using parts of murdered human beings to help research projects to enable some genetically modifying substance, mostly synthetic, by the way, because it needs human tissue to avoid it being immediately destroyed by the immune system God made until it's gained entry to every cell in the recipient's body. Well, when that's directly injected into the bloodstream, because even muscular injections do that, it finally is getting into God's holy temple. And that is a massive win for the devil. The facts are out there whether people want to ignore them as conspiracy theories or not. But mostly this whole rotten thing continues because of the fear of either the loss of their own life. Uh, Why are so many Christians scared of that? I'm just saying it's just a no-brainer to me. If we believe that Jesus not only said but actually did what he said, rose from the dead, he has resurrection power, we're in Christ, I, I don't get that. Or if it's younger people, it might be fear over the loss of a job, money, even their reputation has been called a conspiracy nut. Social exclusion, by the way, is a very powerful principle of coercion by those in authority at the moment. But even friends, remember the old saying send them to Coventry, give them the silent treatment? A lot of people prefer to be in a group because of safety and numbers, they think. Well, it depends on the group you're aligning with because you can align with a group as well. It's really just about who you come into agreement with spiritually. But although it's a psychological weapon, what's being done to people, it's also got spiritual origins in rejection and the enemy's using that these days. People are coming together in, the, in big groups. They want to be part of the majority, not the tiny minority, supposedly, that are not part of this whole scam so if you're part of a ministry that supports that in any way the taking of the v and it doesn't matter how it got into somebody's arm research wise whatever and you are actually sitting under that person's teaching i'm sorry but you're in the wrong spiritual alignment there with that ministry, with that person. And I strongly suggest that you reconsider it and take it to the Lord in prayer to seek his matter on this. Because giving consent by staying in close alignment with those who see nothing wrong with that, morally or spiritually, no matter what their reasons or excuses are for taking it, means those people have bowed the knee to this huge deception, including aligning... ...with the basis for its creation, which will cause them to be spiritually attacked by their own choices. And the danger is that if you align with them in speech, especially in ministry, it allows the same attacks to come upon you. And I've got to emphasize that the enemy lies about this godly separation. Yes, a separation is actually what God wants at this point... Certainly while people remain unrepentant, which the vast majority have done. And so the enemy seeks to cause that divisive from the part of the remnant church. And I strongly rebuke that lie of the enemy in Jesus' name because it started, first of all, with the people of Canaan, the Canaanite god Baal, was worshipped and they threw their children into the fire and sacrificed them to him for power, for money, for all sorts, like today. It's, it's very much the same. It's just hidden a lot more and propaganda is used. But we cannot come into alignment with any ministry that thinks that this is okay because it's coming into agreement with the enemy, not God. And the, the enemy will not miss that consent right there. Not in a second he won't. And it may very well cost you much more than you ever realised if you stay aligned with what God abhors. So we must review our spiritual alignments today more than ever. Great deception abounds in the body of Christ. Many old alignments are no longer valid, especially if you've been called out and you're part of the remnant. And that's who I'm primarily talking to. You need to come out from wrong spiritual alignments. You're part of the remnant. God calls his remnant people out from this massive delusion that's both in the world and in the lukewarm church. But the main point I want to make here is regarding the giving of our consent to someone or something willingly. It's not God's will for your life to come into wrong spiritual alignment because in actual fact, it causes a type of spiritual abortion. And what I mean by that is it can allow weapons that are meticulously crafted to destroy spiritually an individual, businesses, ministries, organisations or any other sort of thing that has chance of of fulfilling its purpose in God in other words just like the physical it can wipe out a person's destiny in the Lord by aligning with people who have taken this V word to see nothing wrong with the physical aspects of how it's been able to be created and spiritually there's lots of abortive activities that the enemy's involved in when we're in wrong alignments, like sabotage, um, less obvious things, fear, unbelief. um. Each one of these things affects one or more areas of a person's life. And it has the power to terminate such things as ministries, businesses, relationships. Spiritual abortion kills the many different blessings that heaven, wants to give you including your dreams and visions your plans your purpose your desires your aspirations the delivered adult hebrew slaves never made it into the promised land their entire future prosperity and life was aborted because of fear and unbelief There is such a high level of misunderstanding when it comes to abortion that the enemy has created a stronghold in many societies through misunderstanding and miseducation of the masses. The My Body, My Choice mob echoing the UN. Yes, they are part of that entity, the UN Planned Parenthood propaganda machine, which was actually founded by the notorious eugenicist Margaret Sanger, whose teachings Mr Gates's own daddy followed religiously, without aborting him, obviously, to perpetrate a depopulation agenda, as well as shedding innocent blood, creating mass blood sacrifices on a global scale, because that's what they've done, that's what they're doing, which then affects whole nations who align with that ideology through their leaders, their godless government leaders. And that slogan, My Body, My Choice, apparently it doesn't actually apply to others, you know, for reason of mandating the poisons. So, in Leviticus, it tells us, eleven. Leviticus 7, verse 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And if you go online... And have a look at this in real time worldometer.com to see the global current deaths from abortion deaths that many people including christians see nothing wrong with and then compare that to the very questionable pandemic figures aka seasonal flu with people who have now got impaired immune systems through lockdowns, tests, others shedding the vaccines, etc. And you will see that Satan, the fallen cherub, the god of this fallen Babylonian world system, who many influential, incredibly wealthy people in the world today worship and are seriously faithful to, They fast and pray to, often far more intentionally than the church. They know fine well what's happening. And sadly, they're more awake than many in the church, certainly the lukewarm church. But the Lord wants the remnant to wake up and see what's truly going on, to really think about who they are coming into alignment with spiritually and that means practically as well, meeting up with people. Well, you, <laughs> we are body, soul and spirit. You're coming into spiritual alignment with someone when you're meeting up with them regularly. And that is the truth. So I want to end in a positive point because it does sound quite heavy, this message that God's put in my heart. I mean, if you have spent your life gravitating towards all the wrong people, I've got good news for you. God can and will bring the right people into your life and remove the wrong people. But when, if you ask him, and when he does, do not return to the wrong people. Because you're just going to have much more trouble than you bargained for. God will take these people away if you ask him. And he'll bring people in who'll support you, who'll help you, who will strengthen you in your walk with him. But don't go back to the old ways, the people you used to know, especially the ones who've been deceived. Because you'll share in that judgment. So... Some people... Bless you when they come into your life. Some people bless you when they leave your life. They exit it. There's many, many good people out there. But there's a lot of deception. And spiritual alignment is something the Lord's been speaking to me for the last three months about. How very important it is. How dangerous it is to be in the wrong spiritual alignment with someone because you might as well be doing the very thing yourself. That's what happens. The enemy knows that. That's why he makes it look all shiny and happy and fine like the boxes up the wall at Christmas in the churches. You look at the person and think, they're not a bad person. I'm not in wrong alignment with them. But I suggest to you that if they've been deceived by the biggest global deception and delusion ever in modern times, then they are not the people to be aligning with in these days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.